0: I want to greet all of you across the network, whether tuning in from Bendorf, Mendekewani, those online, and all of you here at Rock Island. It's, it's great to be with you as we continue our Interruptible Life conversation, where we're just looking at how we live an Interruptible Life. This is the second week of that conversation, and again, the opening video kind of captures for us the tension we live in with the demands and distractions and detours and disappointments of life. All of those can be interruptions that can cause us to just feel stressed out. But we're asking ourselves the question, what would it look like for us to see those interruptions as opportunities? Most of us look at interruptions as problems, but many of them are actually invitations to more. They're, they're opportunities, not obstacles. And in fact, God uses interruption often as an invitation to join him in, in a particular work or a particular investment. So we're going to continue to dig into this conversation this weekend and specifically look at how Jesus handled interruption, but also see how He used interruption. Now I want to be clear, this is not a conversation about time management or three steps to a more organized life. That's not what we're talking about. This is an invitation to a lifestyle, a mindset, a posture if you would. One that allows us to, to stay in step with God on a, on a daily basis. To be able to navigate the ups and downs that come with interruptions. It's one of the realities that we face in our lives. And and we're not even trying to just figure out how to say no to more things, but ultimately trying to see how we say yes to the right things, understanding that interruption is often God's invitation. Now, the fact that it's Mother's Day weekend is all the more appropriate to have this conversation because our moms often demonstrate many of the elements of an interruptible life. From the pregnancy journey itself, to helping out in needs on a daily basis, to showing up in crisis in the middle of the night, to even pausing whatever activity they're in to listen, encourage, and even admonish us. Moms live at the front edge of the realities of an interruptible life. And for that, we're truly grateful. But one of the beautiful things about it is that it reflects Jesus. Because Jesus modeled perfectly an interruptible life. His life in ministry is marked by interruption. Every day, every day people were clamoring for His attention, they were begging of Him, they were asking of Him, they were challenging Him, confronting His authority. It was complex. It, in many ways, can feel a little bit like parenting. <laughs> but those interruptions happened when He was traveling, when He was talking, when He was teaching, when He was sleeping, when He was praying. And in each of those interruptions, he responded in a way that turned them into great moments, not setbacks. And we're going to see that again this weekend, and we're going to see how he not only welcomed and entertained interruptions, he even created some. Now we're going to do this by looking at one particular part of a specific day in the life of Jesus, because he models for us perfectly an interruptible life. He, the idea of allowing space for God to, to do something in and through us for us or for others. And, and, and hear me, there are so many interruptions in life, we can't do them all, Jesus didn't try to do them all, but we, we can know the right ones. And followers of Jesus know how to turn interruptions into opportunities and live that interruptible life. So we're going to look at this one moment in the life of Jesus, and it's going to be found in Mark chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and click or turn there, or you can use your note guide or follow on the screen here in a few moments. But as those of you are turning, let me just come back to this concept that we talked about last weekend. See, each of us have been given a life to live. And there are all kinds of things that vie for our attention, their distractions, their disruptions. But we can bracket the management of life with purpose and prayer. When we understand our purpose and we engage in the practice of prayer, we can navigate and manage the complexities of life and all the things that come at us, because prayer is a filter. Prayer gives us perspective and it prepares us to understand which of the interruptions are to be engaged as opportunities and which ones we're not to engage, because they're not opportunities. It's bracketing with purpose and prayer. And the truth is, the the interruptible life is purpose-driven, it's prayer-based, and it's faith-filled. It's purpose-driven, it's prayer-based, and it's faith-filled. And that's actually your first film if you want to track with your note guide today, that an interruptible life is purpose-driven, prayer-based, and faith-filled. It's a bit of the what, why, and how of living an interruptible life. But I want to look specifically at the life of Jesus to understand how this played out. And as we do that, I want to encourage you to look at the role and ripple of interruptions. Look at how He turns interruptions into opportunities. But also be looking for how he not only entertained and welcomed interruptions, but he even created created some interruptions. So let's take a look at this. I'm going to just track along here in my Bible. You can use your Bible or here on the screen or in your note guide. But we're in Mark chapter 5, and we're going to be starting with verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So it's interruption. His life was filled with interruption. Verse 22, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Another interruption. Verse 23, he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. There's an invitation in the interruption. And Jesus sees that, so Jesus went with him because he sees the opportunity forming in the interruption. Now the ruler of the synagogue in this time period was responsible for the building and the organizing of services. So that was this guy's job, but he's coming to Jesus with a very desperate need on behalf of his daughter. And in that exchange, Jesus recognizes the invitation in the interruption, and he goes. Now what I find interesting about that is there's a very similar circumstance where some friends of a centurion, Roman centurion, go to Jesus and ask Jesus to come and heal the centurion's servant. And in that case as well, it was an interruption, but also Jesus said, okay, I'll go. And he's actually going to go do that when the Roman centurion meets him before he gets to the house and says, hang on a second, I am not worthy for you to come into my house. It's one of the reasons I didn't even come feel worthy to ask you to do this. If you just say the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus responds by saying, I have not found greater faith in Israel than in this man. And what Jesus does is he heals the servant from a distance. He doesn't actually go to the house. Now, what's interesting to me is there's some parallels in that thing, but there's also some differences. Why didn't Jesus just respond to Jairus by saying, hey, no problem, she's good to go, take off? Because here's what he was, he could have done that, but he was responding to the level of faith of Jairus, just as he responded to the level of faith of the centurion. He wasn't asking Jairus to have the level of faith that he saw in the centurion. He was asking Jairus to, and expecting him just to offer the level of faith that he had. And that's one of the beautiful things about God. He does not wait to respond to us. When we have a certain level of faith. He, he waits for us to offer the faith we have, and that's when he responds. He meets us where we're at. He knows where we're at. If we would just offer him the level of faith we have, he'll move in that. He did it for Jairus. He'll do it for us. He wants us to offer the level of faith we have. Now, here's the deal. I, I've had a number of things in my life that have caused me to, to experience growth in my faith. And, and in each of the moments, the Lord has been gracious to respond with the level of faith I have. Here's one example. The first time I encountered cancer in, in my, my sphere of influence, my loved ones, my family, I had a certain level of faith. And my response to that was probably not best, but it was out of the level of faith I had. I asked lots of questions. I struggled with God. I wrestled with God. But he met me as I offered the level of faith I had in that moment. Then when I experienced and and learned of cancer in other family members and watched them struggle and watched them die from that disease, I again responded in each of those moments with levels of faith that I had, and he, he met me where I was. And I can even see, as my mom stepped into her cancer journey and walked 13 years and ultimately died from that disease, my journey of incrementally learning how to trust God in those spaces developed a level of faith that in that moment, the loss of my mom, I could offer the faith I had, not perfect, but deeper and wider and greater than what I had when it started. Because all he's really asking for is we offer what we have. And he responds to that. That's what he was doing with Jairus. It's what he's willing to do with us. Now one of the other realities when it comes to interruptions in life, that it's more often not just about the moment, it actually has a broader ripple. One of the reasons Jairus and had a different response than to Jesus, from Jesus than the centurion was that Jesus understood it wasn't just about Jairus in that moment. That an interruptible life is connected to other realities. And so part of Jesus going was connecting to the reality that that creating space for interruption is an opportunity to create space for wholeness. In fact, your next fill-in is exactly that concept. Allowing interruption creates space for wholeness. Allowing interruption creates the space for wholeness. One interruption can lead to another interruption. It's not always just about a moment. It often has a greater ripple. And in that process, there's really an opportunity to connect purpose and life in relationship by prayer. Do we navigate the complexities of that and experience wholeness by understanding our purpose in life as we live out a relationship of prayer? That was part of what was happening in this dynamic, it was about wholeness. But here's the reality, interruptions always come with a cost. Whether it's a cost to our preference, our plans, maybe time, talent, treasure, interruptions always come with a cost. But it's always worth it, it's always worth it because God's always intending to use divine interruption to lead to wholeness, always. So let's take a look. He wants to do that in us and others, but let's go back to Mark chapter 5 and pick this up in verse 24. So a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So, here's this mob of people pushing and pressing against each other, all kinds of mayhem in that space, and here's this desperate woman who has a condition that makes her ceremonially unclean and socially unclean. There's a relational and social dynamic for her. Practice of the day was that in this condition, she couldn't worship with her people, and if she touched anybody else, they were ceremonially unclean and they couldn't worship. And in that complexity, in the pushing of this crowd, this woman is desperate with a physical and relational burden, heavy, one that she had for 12 years. And she's spent all of her money trying to address that issue. And she's now reached a point of desperation. And look at what she does. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, because this woman... Suffered from a condition that was embarrassing, and had ripple into her social dynamics as well. There was no way she was going to publicly walk up to Jesus and ask to be healed like that. She actually wasn't even be wouldn't be permitted to be in that crowd because of the touching and proximity of that and the unceremonial realities that would happen from it. But she just thought, man, if I could just touch Jesus, man, I could be healed. And so knowing that she could be indicted for touching Jesus and making him ceremonial and clean, she decides to do it in secret. Now, there's some beauty to what she was thinking, some some truth in what she was perceiving, but there's some missing pieces in her plan. But I'll tell you this. It was her faith that made the difference. She had a faith that was in Jesus. She had the right focus. And I'll tell you, the object of our faith is more important than the maturity or, or perfection of our faith. It's who we focus on. And she was focusing on Jesus. So look what happens, verse 29. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So when she touched Jesus, she didn't make him unclean. He made her whole. He made her whole. See, whenever we come to Jesus and we lay our brokenness and our burdens on him, we lay our sin on him, he doesn't become a sinner. He makes us clean. It's the beauty of what he did for her and the beauty of what he wants to do for each one of us. Now, in that dynamic, though, something happens. Take a look, verse 30. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? So think about this. We had the interruption of Jairus. This woman now creates an interruption, and Jesus responds by creating an interruption because he's creating an opportunity. He's, he's allowing an interruption to create a space for wholeness in that dynamic. Now, his question is what he's saying is kind of ridiculous in the sense that he's in a mob of people. There are all kinds of people bumping and pressing in. And the fact that he was touched, like no joke. But the disciples actually feel that. They're struggling with that. They, they respond this way. They say, you see the people crowding against you, yet you can ask who touched me? Now, Jesus knew exactly who touched him and he knew exactly who was healed. And he was asking who touched me to create space for wholeness. Not so he could know. (laughs) Not so he could understand what happened. He was was using interruption to create space for wholeness. And he begins to look for her. It it says in Scripture, verse 32, "But, but you, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Now when he's looking to see, he's not looking to see to find out. He's looking to see to see her, to look upon her and let her know that she is seen. And there's a beauty in that dynamic in this And she, when she recognizes what's happening and she feels the pressure of that whole dynamic, then that woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Now I'll tell you, it is always a great place to start, to start with Jesus by telling the whole truth. <laughs> great place to start. He already knows. And that's what she does. And look what he says to her. Daughter... Your what? Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now listen, this is a great moment that illustrates interruption and how Jesus responded to it and how He even created interruption to create opportunity and space for wholeness. But I, here's the deal, many people could be in that moment, in that space, thinking Jesus was going to call her out to correct her, even embarrass her, but that was not His intent at all. His intent was to create a space for wholeness. And he had her go through that public process for wholeness. I mean, he knew who she was, and she knew who she was. But he walked her through that process for wholeness, so that she would know she was healed, and so that others would know she was healed. Physical restoration, social restoration. But he also had her go through that process so that she would know why she was healed. See, he didn't want her thinking that she had come and taken something or done something on her own. Because that's not what happened. Not what happened. She received healing by faith. He said, your faith has healed you. You've received that by faith. Look, we, we receive things that are freely given. We take what is not freely given. And what she needed to understand was that she received by faith, and Jesus wanted her to know that. And that's significant. It was significant physically and socially for her in the whole redemption of the process. She needed to understand the why, the what she received, and why she'd received it. And Jesus makes that very clear. See, look, here's the deal. Knowledge is one thing, faith is another. Knowledge is one thing, faith is another. Th- th- this woman understood some things about herself, and she understood some things about Jesus. She, she believed that Jesus could heal her. And- and- but the key in it was that how she demonstrated that knowledge by faith is what made the difference. That's what changed everything. That's what allowed divine intervention into that dynamic. Look, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we can read this about faith. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, without faith— Without offering the faith we have, it's impossible to please Him, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. This is the reality of faith, but this is also the reality of the woman. She was able, by faith, to seek Him, pursue Him, be rewarded out of it, and experience the pleasure of God in how she engaged by faith. There's a beauty in that dynamic— but one of the nuances is the disciples didn't understand the difference between casual contact with Jesus and contact through reaching out by faith. Casual contact with Jesus heals nothing. It doesn't lead to wholeness. But humble, faith-filled reaching in pursuit of Him actually does. It was her faith that made the difference. Her, her interruption created this space for Jesus to intervene because of her faith. Look, look, interruptions are often the spaces of divine intervention. But we tend to avoid those spaces because they just seem like problems and obstacles. We tend to avoid the spaces where divine intervention can take place because they're uncomfortable. They can even be a little scary for us. I want to invite you to think about it this way we know that in life, if we're going to live any life, but especially an interruptible life, there are some things that we can expect. But also, there are things that are unexpected. And there's a tension between those two realities, what we expect and the unexpected. Additionally, there are things that we can know, and there are things that are unknown. And there's another tension between what is known and unknown. And what ends up happening, there's almost like, there's like four grids or four quadrants to this concept where you can have things that you expect with known realities, and you can have some known things but with unexpected realities, and you can have unexpected realities with unknown details, but then unknown things with expected realities. And and the truth is, in this dynamic, we hate to live here. We, we do not want to sit in this space of unknown, unexpected. It's an uncomfortable place. It's a place where fear creeps in. It's a place that feels really uncertain. On the flip side, man, we love this space down here. <laughs> we love the expected and the known because it feels safe. There's some sense of control and stability in that. We're like. We love to be in this particular place. But here's the reality. Interruptions come in all four quadrants. So how do we live an interruptible life in that? Jesus says this, look, if you make me, you put me in the center of your life, you allow me to be Lord of your life, you give me authority in your life, you let me sit on the throne of your heart. And then if you're willing to live by faith, in that dynamic no matter which quadrant you sit i will work and move by my power in everything you experience and face i will help you live an interruptible life by faith knowledge is one thing faith is another and the reality is that the woman she came to jesus with an expectation and a knowledge that he could heal her. She started here. But the moment Jesus called her out publicly, it forced her to move here. Unexpected and unknown. Jairus, he came to Jesus here. An expectation but uncertainty and unknown of Jesus would respond. And when Jesus said, sure, I'll go with you, he moved directly into this space, expectant and known. But that's all about the change. Because if you remember, this whole thing starts with Jairus interrupting, but then the woman interrupts. And in this dynamic, Jesus responds with interruption to that. And it could seem almost unnecessary and counterproductive in that whole dynamic. It's almost like an ambulance crew stopping to buy donuts on their way to the medical call. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> and if you can just picture gyrus in that moment, watching this thing where Jesus is talking about who touched me and talking to this woman, he's like, what about my girl? Well, what about my girl? we got to get to this thing over here. And in the dynamic, everything begins to change. But again, Jesus used interruption to create space for wholeness. And he is always willing and looking to intervene wherever he interrupts. It's the reality of what he does when we live an interruptible life. Let's actually step back in and take a look because we're about to see another key to living that interruptible life. This is verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Talk about interruptible life. Why bother the teacher anymore? But overhearing what they said, ignoring what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Who acknowledges one thing. Faith is another. And Jesus says to him, just believe. Just, just trust. The interruptions don't define the outcomes I do when you live by faith. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the interruption. Don't be afraid of the cost. Don't be afraid of what's already happened in loss or failure or disappointment. Don't be afraid of God-orchestrated delays. Don't be afraid... Just believe. And what ends up happening is that in, in this moment where Jairus started here, he jumps here, he hears of the death of his daughter and he moves here. He knows she's dead. That was unexpected in what was happening in his world at this point. And Jesus is about to ask him to move from here to here. When he says to him, Do not be afraid, just believe. With interruption upon interruption upon interruption, by faith, God intervenes in the opportunities he creates. We can experience the power of God in our lives, in our daily interruptions, when we live this way. And Jairus is faced with this moment of what's he going to do next? But I'm going to tell you, God always is looking to intervene wherever he interrupts. So here's the thing about faith and living an interruptible life. We, we, may, we may not know the, the what, why, or how of things, but we can know the who. We can know Him, and that makes all the difference. One of my favorite quotes comes from a guy by the name of Oswald Chambers. Here's what he said. Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. We, faith never knows where it's being led. There's unknown and unexpected dynamics that take place, but we can actually love and know the one who is leading, and that changes everything. Love and know the one who is leading. And, and that reality creates a space for interruption. It creates space for wholeness. And Jesus calling, was calling Jairus to a new level of faith in all the complexities of the interruptions. But before Jairus could really trust Jesus, he had to choose to set aside fear and choose faith. And he asks us to do the same. And I realize that some of you today are in spaces where the unknown, unexpected interruptions are rocking your world. You receive the diagnosis for you or for your loved one, unknown, unexpected. Unexpected. You're processing the loss of something in your life, the the reality of the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of a of a dream, and all the interruptions that come with processing that interruption, both unknown and unexpected. And Jesus, as he called Jairus, says, Don't fear, just believe. Just as he called Jairus to that choice to set aside fear and to choose faith, he's calling you and I to do the same. Not to believe and try to figure out all the details and not to believe and try to make sense of the the delays. Don't do that. Just, just believe. Believe in the one who is more than able. Because the moment we actually step into that kind of space, we are never the same. And we never walk any of the four quadrants the same again. It's different. Now, it's not clear to me how Jairus specifically responded to Jesus' invitation to lean in. But what happens next infers that he did lean in to what Jesus was inviting him to, to the invitation inside the interruption. But let's take a look. We continue in the Scripture what it says. This is verse 37. Jesus, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father, Jairus, so he leaned into the invitation with Jesus, and mother, and the disciples who were with him, and went in where the child was. Then he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha ka'om, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. <laughs> she was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Look, God is always looking to intervene where he interrupts. And in this particular day, a woman who had suffered for 12 years with a medical condition is healed and restored. On the same day, a little girl whose life was nearly cut short at 12 years is healed and restored. I don't know what kind of parallel or significance there are in 12 years for the woman and 12 years for the girl. And I never want to overread. and some people get all excited about that stuff. I don't. Because here's what I do know about this dynamic and what Jesus modeled for us. That whenever God interrupts, it produces an opportunity. When God interrupts, it produces an opportunity. An opportunity to take part in something bigger than ourselves. uh, Something to take part in joining him in a work that he's trying to facilitate in life. We can join him in a particular investment. Interruption is often God's invitation. Yet, interruption always comes at a cost. Every time Jesus allowed interruption, there was a cost that it was associated to it. But whenever interruption involves people, it is most often and likely an opportunity that God's trying to create people were Jesus' focus. They were His purpose. And every time there was an interruption with people was an opportunity for Jesus to point to and demonstrate the great love of His Father and the great power of His Father. Because interruptions were space to create wholeness. And and the same opportunities for us, when the interruptions come, they're opportunities for us to demonstrate and participate in in our great, the love of our Father and His great power. So, Be willing to allow Him to interrupt your life for yourself, your own faith journey, or for others, knowing that He is more than able to cover the cost, to untangle the complexity that comes with a delay, and to bring great power to bear in that interruption because He's willing to intervene. When God interrupts, it produces an opportunity. However, here's the second part of it, that when God intervenes, it produces a miracle. So, when He interrupts, it produces an opportunity. When He intervenes, it produces a miracle. But if we don't understand the difference, if we don't know how it works out, if we're not even willing to create space to allow interruptions in our life, we will miss out on God's opportunity and perhaps the miracle He wants to facilitate. Interruption leads to opportunity. Intervention leads to miracle. And whenever there are divine opportunities with divine intervention, we can see and experience divine miracles. And I'm going to tell you again there's always opportunity when God interrupts because He is always looking to intervene whenever He interrupts. It happened for the woman and it happened for Jairus. He wants to intervene in power and He can do it even in the unknown and the unexpected blocks of life when we live by faith. So what? So what? It is true that when God interrupts, he's creating opportunity. But there's a little bit of a complexity with that because there's always an appointed time for things. And to be honest, in my life, sometimes God's timing has felt like an interruption. It's felt like it's come at, a, at an not the best time and even late. And I'm pretty sure Jairus felt that at one point in this journey. But the Lord's response to that is intervention. And miracles happen when he intervenes. But he's willing to do that whenever we put him first, and we trust in his timing, and we live by faith. It's that purpose-driven reality. It's that prayer-based reality and a faith-filled reality. It was true for the woman. It was true for Jairus. In those interruptions, spaces for wholeness. They did what was necessary to experience interruption and intervention, to experience the opportunity and the miracle. Not, not all cleanly but they did it genuinely. So here's the question I want to allow us all to just process through the course of this week. Where do you need to allow Jesus to interrupt and or intervene? Where do you need to allow Jesus to interrupt and or intervene? Perhaps it's in that diagnosis that you received for yourself or for that loved one. Perhaps it's just simply in the complexity of, of a relational setback or a professional setback or a brokenness in your own body, you're struggling with something physically or relationally, there's something in your world. Maybe as a parent today, the interruptions of your kids' lives is a space where you're gonna allow the interruptions so that God can intervene in their lives. And maybe you can point to something where God has done that already, and you can say, thank you, Jesus, I praise you for what you've already done. But where is it that you need to allow Jesus to interrupt and or intervene so the opportunity can be manifest in a miracle where something changes. The woman and Jairus did exactly what they needed to do to experience interruption and intervention, the opportunity and the miracle. They positioned themselves in proximity to Jesus. It was his presence. They positioned themselves in humility before him. They submitted to him and his authority, even in the complexity of all of that, what that might mean. and they. They functioned by faith. They, they offered the faith they had, and they lived by faith in it. And that allowed Jesus to respond in His power and intervene. To be able to do that, no matter if the, the, the timing's difficult, to, to, to be able to step into a space like this, no matter what block you sit in, and to be able to say, I trust in the power and goodness of Jesus. So I, in His name and His authority, I, I submit to His authority, and I live in the power of the Holy Spirit as I live by faith. When we do that, things begin to change. And I'm going to tell you, I guarantee the woman and and Jairus both, they they never walked any of these four quadrants the same after this day. Their faith moved to a new level as they engaged in that exchange with Jesus, and they they stepped in a place of setting aside fear and chose faith. Where do you need to allow Jesus to interrupt or intervene? We've got the spaces in our life where things are broken. Allow the interruption. Because he says, look, the interruption doesn't define the outcome I do when you put your faith in me. But I'm going to tell you this. This whole conversation is not about how things turn out. It's about who we turn to in the middle of it all. And when we turn to Jesus, everything changes. By faith, we can know and love the one who is leading, even though we don't know, even in the unexpected and the unknown, especially in the unexpected and unknown. We resist that upper right-hand quadrant, but he wants to work and move in every part of that all. And he is more than able to intervene as we live an interruptible life. So be willing to let him interrupt. Look for the opportunity, knowing that he's able to cover every cost and untangle every complexity by his great power. Often, though, he's going to do that by calling us out of our comfort and into spaces of great dependency when we're willing to step into the opportunity whenever he creates that interruption. Where do you need to allow him to interrupt or intervene this week? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I... I'm so grateful that this is ultimately not a conversation about what we know or don't know, even what we expect or don't expect. This is about fixing our eyes on your son, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I thank you that you respond to our faith when we offer it to you. Whatever level we're at, when we offer that, you respond. And and in those spaces where you create space for wholeness, you allow interruptions to create opportunities, but then you're also willing to intervene for your glory and do something that can only be explained by your hand. I'm grateful for that. I pray, Lord, as as we each process what your son did and what we can take away from the conversation, that you would speak to us about how we live, how we can live an interruptible life, how we can create space for wholeness and how we can participate in the interruptions that lead to opportunities and the intervention that leads to miracle. Help us, Lord, to be willing to allow space for interruption but to do it with your wisdom that comes from walking in relationship with you by faith. I love you. I pray these things in the strong and mighty name of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.